Welcome to Stand and Deliver. I'm Patrick Wood with Citizens for Free Speech, the founder and director, and I am with today. Hey, Bob France. I am the National Communications Director for CFFS. Welcome to another edition. We have another great program lined up for you today. 30 minutes goes by so quickly. And I want to tell you, I, this is exciting news. I talked to a lady in Texas. I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to mention any call letters at this point. But I discovered that uh, our podcast, which goes out every Friday at noon, is being broadcast on a radio station in Texas and is catching on. Actually, they have multiple stations. We're getting rolled out through, and we didn't even tend to do that in the beginning. But here's the, here's the moral of the story. When you decide to stand and deliver, as we did on the very first podcast we made many weeks ago, I think we're in a, this is episode 22, I want to say right now, but when we first started this, we're, we're just on a, on a wing and a prayer. We said, well, let's try it. Who knows what's going to happen? And we, we just kind of said, well, let's just stand and deliver and see what happens. Well, now we have thousands of people each week listening to our podcast, and now we find out that a radio station is picking up because it's kind of in the right format for radio for a 30-minute program. They picked it up and they're it broadcasting is. it. No charge to us. They're just doing it because they like it so much and it's such a breath of fresh air about free speech. That's exciting to me, Bob. Well, me too. And, you know, we started uh, this this podcast in large part to reach people who want to know what we have to say, who want to know what CFFS is up to, who want to know, you know, what we're doing to combat and fight back against the assault on the First Amendment that is very, very blatant and plain uh, in this country right now. And they don't have time to read. People listen to podcasts mm. while they're jogging, while they're on the treadmill or on the bike or while they're in the car or whatever. Uh, it's sometimes it's easier to consume than reading the latest big blog post or reading the latest press release or or whatever. So that's what we try to do is, you know, in, in 30 minutes a week. And who knows, maybe we'll expand it to, to a longer show as time goes on. But uh, we try to make it uh, easily digestible for people yes. to just listen to or watch or whatever the case might be. Uh, mm. And uh, I'm glad to know that people in the radio industry are figuring that out, too, and Putting on, putting putting it on their station. Well, they're recognizing stand and deliver. I guess <laughs> they're standing and delivering too. So one person standing and delivering begets another person, begets another person, begets another person, and all of a sudden you find out, wow, there's a whole bunch of people out there, thousands of people who are deciding on a daily basis to stand and deliver and do what they can right where they are to share the truth about free speech and to get active doing things that promote free speech, like, okay, open your mouth and say something and do something in your community, whatever, to make a difference in your community. So let's start out. I'd like to talk about Google, Bob, uh, just kind of to start out a conversation today. Um, you know Google, right? Uh, Gmail, Gmail, right? Everybody's got Gmail, it seems. Over the years, Millions and millions and millions of people have signed up for Gmail, and you know why? Because it's free, and it actually is a, a, a kind of a, a slick email interface, whatever. It's free, and oh, people thought, oh, it's free. This is wonderful. Free lunch. Uh, when it, didn't your mom tell you there ain't no such thing as a free lunch? Google not only mines data from you, but we have found very pointedly they also censor things like crazy and it turns out that Gmail now has become a major source of censoring of free speech. This is an absolutely incredible story. If you haven't seen the story, it's on Washington Times. You can go search for it on Google's practice now of censoring conservative email being delivered in the conservative ma mailboxes, whether from a conservative source or to a conservative source. 
They're marking it as spam so that it goes into your spam folder and you never see the email. It just gets lost in space. So somebody finally did an actual study, Bob. They set up, this is a university, they set up uh, dummy Gmail accounts and they began to, to very, in a very methodical way, send email back and forth between this one and that one, whatever, different content just to see what happened. And uh, so they did a very scientific study to find out, oh, well, is Google really censoring conservative email? What about uh, liberal email? What about left-wing email versus it? And so they did this scientific study. It was shocking. What They're still pulling out statistics on this. But here's the latest one. This, this, this just blows your mind. Republicans now have determined, and this is not a pro-Republican statement I'm making here, but Republicans now sponsored part of the study. They have discovered that the Google spam filter cost them $2 billion in donations during the last election cycle. $2 billion. And you say, well, how could that happen? Well, because the left-wing donor letters that politicians sent out saying, hey, can you send me 10 bucks, 50, you know, 50 bucks, whatever. The left wing, if you will, all their email was delivered. But for the conservative side, so much of it went into the spam folder and never got seen by the recipients. They've now determined statistically that that cost them $2 billion in contributions that would have otherwise gone into conservative pockets uh, to, you know, elect conservative people, et cetera. Or at least would have had a chance to. Yes. At least would have had a chance to. Yes. Because they're, you know, the politicians are sending the request for donations to people, and some people might look at it and drop it in their spam folder anyway yes. if they want to, or they may delete it, or they might say, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like this guy, I like this person, I yes. like this cause, and send money. So the, I'm sure part of their calculations had to include oh, yes. what is the percentage of delivery yes. under normal circumstances yes. Uh, versus, you know, in, in these. And by the way, one of the numbers in the story, you were just talking about the Washington Times, and we should also know, in addition to the $2 billion in donations that were lost um, since 2019, is the number 32. 32% of the GOP, the Republican Party donor letters requesting donations, went to spam boxes. Yes. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I want to correct that. According to what the Washington Times said, I want to read it directly here. Um, Google flagged more Republican campaign emails as spam than Democratic emails during the 2020 election season and ended up sending as few as 32% of the GOP emails to inboxes. So I apologize. I read that backwards. It's not 32% that went to spam. 70%. By by doing the math there, 68% went to spam, only 32% went into the inboxes. So it's worse than we even thought. Yes, it is. And you're right. It is a numbers game. And and these fundraisers know this. They understand the statistics very well. They know by the time they're done testing, they know exactly how many people are going to open it, exactly how many people are going to, you know, click, yes, I'll do it. They know the averages on what people are going to, which button they're going to click, you know, for donation. They've got all this figured out, and that's out of my wheelhouse on how they do that. I don't care. But they know this stuff because they do it all the time. That's their living. So when they do the statistical analysis and they figure out $2 billion were lost, this is no joke. You know, when you when you consider the 68% of conservative email rate trying to raise funds went into your spam folder, you know that's going to hurt the conservative movement in a major way. This is And, and by the way, isn't, 
isn't the way you give well for, there's two two violations of free speech here one is emails are being censored that's horrible that absolutely should not happen but secondly if you want to give money to um, uh, to a, a political campaign or if a political campaign wants to address you to get money okay um, isn't that also a violation if you've been denied the ability to give money to your favorite uh, you know candidate isn't that a violation also of free speech because you vote with your money? You know, you speak with your money. I think it is. Um, I, you know, I think it's an attack on democracy. It, totally. And that's one of the things we've, we've heard that phrase so much in the news in the last, you know, year or so, or really year and a half since, you know, January 6, 2021, you know, we've, we've all seen these hearings going on and everything else. And they're calling this an attack. Everything that the leftists in this country don't like, that happens, they call an attack on democracy. The Supreme Court just, uh, justices deciding to overturn Roe is an attack on democracy. Uh, uh, people challenging the integrity of the election, that's an attack on democracy. And what they're talking about here and what you're describing and what Google is doing by stopping those emails from getting from candidates and campaigns and causes to potential donors, and then those donors not being able to send that money to those campaigns, thus giving those campaigns an opportunity to grow and, and, and wage a fair fight in our democratic process of voting. Mm -hmm. It is truly an attack on democracy. It really is. They don't want one yeah. half of the political party. There's two major political parties to have a fair fight, I yes. guess, if you will. Yes. And, and what is more of an attack on democracy yeah. than trying to stop the votes from being fair it and free? By, by giving the campaigns an opportunity to be heard. Yes, and there very much is a, an element of fraud in this. You know, in, a, in the radio business, which I know you're familiar with because you're a professional for many years, if somebody comes into a station to say, I want to buy some advertising on your seat, you know, that's really cool. I want to spend a bunch of money to buy advertising because they look at your footprint, your broadcast footprint, see how many people do you reach. And, of course, your station knows that. The radio stations know that. So they give you a map of the city, and they say, well, we go here, 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 and here, and this is a radius, and blah, 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 and this is, you know, so many at night, so many in the morning. And you say, okay, here's $50,000. I want to do a, a campaign. And then the radio station would turn around. Now, it's just, they're not doing this. I'm just saying. But then the radio station would turn around and not tell you, but and they would take your money, and they, oh, yeah, we'll give you an advertising campaign, and we're going we're gonna to blanket the city. And then they selectively slice out parts of their market and with a directional antenna concept, and they, they slice out parts of the market where you don't reach a part of the market. So all of a sudden, 70% of your market is not being reached. You thought it was going to be reached. You paid money for it to be reached, but it's not being reached. That's flat-out fraud to do something like that. This is the only, the, the only difference I would point out in your analogy between the radio and the Gmail thing is the advertising $50,000 layout. Gmail is free. As you pointed out at yes. the beginning, uh, nobody is paying. So, so at the end of the day, they can't say, "Hey, I didn't get what I was paying for. You didn't deliver my emails where I where where I had intended yeah. them to go." Um, they could just say, "Hey, it's a free service, buddy. Go find another yes, one." And you know what, Pat? I'll sit here right now and stand to deliver <laughs> and tell everybody to go find another yes. one. Do not yes. patronize Gmail. Yes. Do not patronize Google yeah. or their products. Yes. I'm not going to lead a campaign to boycott this or that or the other, but I've always said this. Google is one of the most destructive companies in the world when it comes to free speech yeah. and when it comes to uh, uh, um, the entirety, really all five clauses of the First Amendment. 
They are destructive. They are destructive yep. through the use of Gmail in all of the ways we're talking yep. about. And by the way, you and I have had this conversation <laughs> about Gmail and what they're doing to censor generally conservative um, emails uh, and sending them to spam boxes. Uh, we did this on an episode a few weeks yes. ago, and now we're just finding out about the price yes. of it or yes. the cost that the Republicans have calculated here. Exactly, but and there is that, there is a commercial side the, to, uh, to to Gmail. By the way, businesses pay money; they pay fees to to have their whole business be oh, hosted. Okay, okay, and that can okay, be. Okay, thank you. That, that's something I wasn't aware of. That can be fairly significant. You know, if you have right. you know ten thousand employees, that can be a lot of money. Um, well, if you're paying, I mean, you're right. If you're paying. Gmail to use their services, and then they are not delivering your messages. Yes. Now you absolutely have a fraud claim. Yes. Uh, but, but speaking just to the freebies, you know, people using the free service, like you can use free Yahoo offers free, free yep. email service as well, and yep. so many others. Just to them, you take the Gmail aspect, you take the search engine, the, which is the most famous and, and most widely used in the world, in which they censor people and companies and organizations and 501c3s like us by by uh, skewing their algorithms to put our uh, uh, you know results way, way down on the list on the second or third page, depending on what yeah. somebody searches for. So they, 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 they affect free speech there. And then, of course, they own YouTube. Google owns YouTube, and YouTube frequently bans and censors yeah. and blocks mm-hmm. uh, groups, maybe like ours, maybe like some yep. others. Yep. Dennis Prager always comes to mind, Prager University. And they, they block those uh, 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 videos mm-hmm. from being released. Yep. Yep. So all of these yep. are just complete and total attacks on the First Amendment and censorship by the Google, Google Corporation. Um, and now that there is a price tag that can be put on what they have cost potentially these Republican or conservative candidates and campaigns and yes. causes, I hope there's a lawsuit to follow. Yes. And I hope I hope Google has to answer for that and the inexplicable <laughs> decision to be so partisan and biased in what they put to spam and what they don't. Yes. Well, here's the, here's the good news. You can spend a little bit of money. Better to spend a little bit of cash than have all your data be sucked out of your life uh, and sold to every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the world behind your back. You've got to pay a little bit of money. There's many different options for, for mail that is not Gmail. Proton Mail is a very right. popular one. I see a lot of people using Proton Mail. You have another one called Start Mail. It's actually in the Netherlands and it's very secure. And a lot of people use Start Mail. It, uh, it has encrypted uh, email in both directions and whatever. Um, and there's another good one I hear a lot about re- recently called Tuta Nota. It's <laughs> a weird name T U T A N O T A. And uh, there's others as well that uh, that you can look at that are not really expensive. I'll give you, I'll give you mine. My, I, I use Reagan, yes. which is a lot easier to spell. Yes. <laughs> I use Reagan Mail. Exactly. Uh, it, yeah. it, and, and you know what, Pat? It's it's three bucks a month that I will never miss. Yes. And it gives me security. Yes. And I know what I'm sending is going to get where it's right. going. I know I'm not going to be besieged by all kinds of fake stuff uh, and bots. I mean, it provides me with security, uh, and it's three bucks. Yep. I spend thirty six bucks on it once a year. Uh, it is absolutely worth your time. Yep. So there, are, there are those out there. Stay away from the companies that are essentially trying to to harm you and trying yes. to rob us of democracy. Yes, that's, that's right. So Google go check does. it out, folks. And. Uh, you know, this doesn't, you know, we can't change the world overnight on this, and maybe we can't change the world at all, but at least you can get a little bit of uh, little bit of relief if you have a different service other than Gmail because your spam f- uh, folder won't be full all the time of stuff that they're censoring. So just check it out. Do, do something a little bit different. Uh, pay a few bucks, and, uh, you know, if you, if you have a spouse or maybe, you know, family, whatever, 
get a family plan and get on an email service. It's usually cheaper that way. You have three or four people on it, get, get a discount on everybody. And uh, just, just go off in a different direction and, and protect yourself a little bit from where you are. So enough I really that. do hope that there is some recourse, some legal yes. recourse for these, yes. you know, these candidates and stuff who thought their donation letters were being sent yes. uh, to people that requested them. You know, I certainly wouldn't. I don't yes. like the idea of spamming people's inboxes with unrequested messages or requests for donations either. But yes. but for the ones that were sending things and they were supposed to be delivered, particularly if they are paying customers, right. I hope there's a lawsuit in the offing, and I hope Google has to pay through them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, well, anyway, enough for Google. Uh, we, we beat Google up pretty good here this this time, and it's, uh, you know, it. I hate to do that on, on one hand, but on the other hand, this needs to be said, this is a violation of free speech. And we need to do what we can to protect ourselves. This is kind of an activist thing you can do. It's for you and you alone. It's not going to affect a whole lot of other people unless you know other people, of course. Tell them, say, man, maybe if you think about getting off of Gmail someday and uh, get another email address, right? Uh, pay a little bit of money and go do yeah. something else. So. so what else do we have today, Bob? Well, Pat, this was such an enormous uh, week This uh, that is just wrapped um, the Supreme Court term has come to a close this particular session, and and there have just been a lot of monumental decisions. And the one that I want to focus on is not the one that the world is focused on, which is the overturning of Roe versus Wade and the returning of uh, abortion rights back to the states so the people can decide with through their own state legislatures what they want to do. The one I want to focus on focuses on citizens for free speech. This is a First Amendment issue, and it's one of the biggest and most important rulings they've come down with in a long time. Um, again, not to try to make this a partisan issue, but it's a reality that generally speaking, it's been the American left that doesn't like to have the idea of prayer in public schools. They, they grasp onto this wall that is supposed to have been erected between church and state and say, nobody should be allowed to pray at a school and you can't make kids do this and so on and so forth. And the conservative slash Christian right disagrees. Well, the case of Joe Kennedy has been seven years in the making, seven years in the making. He was a football coach uh, at Bremerton School, Bremerton High School, I should say. Coach Kennedy uh, up in Washington, Washington State, that is. Coach Kennedy, at the conclusion of every game, would go by himself onto the field and kneel down and say a prayer. Usually, he said, just a prayer of thanks to God for keeping all of the kids healthy. They got through another game without being injured, uh, thanking, thanking God for whatever, it, whatever his prayer was. He, he would do that by himself. After a while, some of his players looked and liked it. And they were also people of faith. And they surrounded him and they knelt with him. And they said their little prayers together. To my understanding, again, I don't think they were verbalized. It was just silent prayer, but it was prayer. Well, that, of course, touched a nerve with uh, some people who believe that that shouldn't happen on a public school football field, uh, that that kind of is, is tantamount to uh, the uh, state endorsing a religion. The state, meaning the public schools, uh, endorsing a religion. And they felt it violated the Establishment Clause. The school district agreed, fired the coach, said that can't happen anymore. So after seven years of legal maneuverings and appeals, it finally got to the Supreme Court. And it was a 6-3 to three majority decision uh, saying that, yes, Coach Kennedy can absolutely say a prayer on the field. It does not establish a religion. It does not compel a religion. It doesn't compel any players to play. It just says you don't have to keep your own 
um, expressions of faith to your own private quarters. You are allowed to pray in public. You are allowed to pray and, and to, you know, even invite other people as long as you don't compel them to, uh, to join you if you wish through your actions or your words. And Pat, um, that's just so big. It is such a, I mean, for a group like ours, the very first clause in the First Amendment is the establishment of religion. Uh, gotcha. This doesn't establish religion, but what it does do, this decision, it does allow people to exercise their religion yes. and, and their yes. religious beliefs. And that's how the, that's how the clause reads, of course. Yeah. Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment, establishment of religion, <laughs> nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right. Coach Kennedy's case is a big yeah. one. Yeah. And, of course, the First Amendment, um, the, the founders the, – wrote the First Amendment and believed that those were unamiable rights, that they were given by God, not by man. That was their opinion. Whether you like it or not is immaterial. You may, dis you may disagree with it totally. That's okay. But that's what they meant, and they wrote about that. They said very clearly, these are unamiable rights. They're not given by man. Man can't take those rights away. So the exercise of religion is, is something that, that any person uh, in any place and any issue um, has the right to exercise, an unamiable right, meaning that, they have that right to ex to exercise that at any time, anywhere, any place, in any situation, and um, the government has no basis for no business in in denying people that unalienable right. And so, when it says Congress should make no law, that was a major concern back then because religious they were being religiously persecuted, if you will, by the Church of England because that, of course, was a state religion, and they didn't want that, and they didn't want. They didn't want to have the government enforcing, like this, you know, a a church-oriented religion on the, all of society. Said, no, we're not going to do that. You can do what you want to do individually. That's your right. If you want to pray on us on a in a, in a in a Senate hearing, if you want to pray on the you know the Capitol building steps, if you want to pray on a field out the sports field or whatever, just go right ahead and do that. Um, there's nothing that should be done government-wise to stop it. So. This is a major uh, reinforcement of that concept, I think, that government has no business telling people where they can and cannot pray. That's, an, that's a native oh, inherent right that, that God has given everyone, and they should be able to ex exercise that right anywhere. Pat, I think what it does is it clarifies that proverbial wall yes. between church and state. Yes, it, it does. It clarifies what it really is. Now, this is not mine. Uh, I had a guest on my program, my radio program, Dr. Everett Piper, uh, who wrote a couple of tremendous books uh, about uh, wokeism and so forth on college campuses. But anyway, Dr. Piper writes also, strangely enough, for the Washington, or, or coincidentally with the Washington Times, we were talking about the Google story. And he clarified it this way, and I'm going to read it. This wall, the wall between church and state, is not erected as a prison, but as a fortress. It exists to protect the church, not to confine it. Thomas Jefferson no more intended this wall to restrain the church than he intended the walls of his own home to restrain him. As a house has a door whereby you come and go, buying and selling, engaging in culture, doing your civic duty, so Jefferson's wall has a door where the church enters society to do its good work. The key here is the church holds the key and the door is locked from the inside, not the outside. So the point that, that Jefferson made is that the, the separation of church and state, such as it has been deter, uh, uh, determined to be, is not to keep the church from going out into public. It's to stop the public and the culture from going inside and telling the church they can't, they can't practice. Yes. So, so that wall isn't to stop 
you know, uh, you know, the church from, from actually, or, or a person like Joe Kennedy from walking out of the church and praying outside on the field, you know, they can't say to him, no, you go back inside those walls. You pray in there. You can't do that out here. It was instead in, created to let the church have their freedom mm -hmm. and not allow the laws of the land to go in and restrict yes. that religious exercise. Yes. So that, that wall is like, like he said, like Dr. Piper said, it is not a prison wall, but it is a fortress to, to, to protect religious liberty. And that's what the Supreme Court just ruled. And that's why that's so huge. Mm -hmm. And anybody who believes in the First Amendment and what we do at CFFS yes. should be celebrating that victory. Yes. It may be as profound as the Roe decision as, and, and as any other. Yes. And I think probably since the freedom of religion is the very first point of five in the First Amendment, there's five different uh, things that are mentioned in the First Amendment. This is going to have an impact, I think, on some of the other areas as well, on free speech in general and on the right to assemble in general and on the right yeah. to freedom of press in general. That uh, that that people may start getting the idea here. You know what? Uh, yeah. So what you what you have to say uh, is in, in terms of you know free speech and those unalienable rights. What you have to say is also protected, then, isn't it? By just like the, the guy praying on the field. Yes, it is. And uh, I hope this will spill over on these other areas, and other rulings might come about to make it a little bit more plain that when you do speak, yeah. you have the right to speak, and you have the right to hear who you want to hear. Yeah, and you know, including schools, because I mean, by extension, yes. if a coach can pray on the football field, a teacher ought to be able to have a moment of silence for prayer in a school. And they can't say, "Oh, you're forcing religion." No, you're not. Yeah. You're not forcing or yeah. establishing a religion. Yes. It's not saying yes. Christianity can only be prayed here. <laughs> yes. Islam can be prayed here if that's what you want to pray for in our moment of silence, or pray to, or Judaism, or whatever. The point is, religion is not to be constrained and forbidden from being practiced. That's what the Establishment Clause does. Yeah. It doesn't say religion should be limited. It just says, in fact, it says the the opposite. Religion should not be limited, but nobody should be forced to participate in it if they right. don't want to. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad they did that, and I hope that uh, I hope that other schools across the country will honor that. Um, I was a little disappointed with some of the reaction on the on the Roe v. Wade overturning, not not just because of Roe v. Wade, but I was d disappointed by the fact that so many people said that we need to we need to just rebel against the Supreme Court and let's just not do that. Well, that's lawlessness. If you refuse to go along with something that the Supreme Court clearly says, that's lawlessness, and that's not good for our country. It's not good for democracy. We agree to yeah. the laws of the land. Well, I mean, but the reality is. It, it, you know, the Supreme Court doesn't make law. Yes, that's right. The Supreme Court simply right. simply interprets the Constitution yep. to determine whether or not laws that Congress yep. made stand up and yep. can and can. You know, so this whole thing about Roe, oh, you know, they took away our constitutional right to abortion. No, it yep. didn't. There is nothing in the Constitution, and CFFS is based on the Constitution. The Bill of Rights is literally what uh, you know we 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 defend, and particularly in particular the First mm -hmm. Amendment. But there was no constitutional right to abortion that was in there. That was something that was mistaken mistakenly interpreted by the 1973 court. Yep. So all they, they didn't pass a law. Yep. The Supreme Court did not pass a law. They did not deny anybody's ability to get an abortion. They just said, leave us out of it. This is not our, our lane. This is something that should be decided by legislatures. And each state has a legislature representing the people. And the people can send the, their, yep. their representatives to change that if they want, to limit, to restrict, to ban, or to fully allow Whatever it is, whether it's abortion or anything else, yeah. all the Supreme Court did was follow the Constitution. Yes. And that says this is a legislative matter, not 
a, a, a court matter. That's right, and that's a good thing. And over the years, I have to say, uh, you know, those on both sides of the aisle have had to deal with uh, rulings that the Supreme Court has made. Some people really, really disagreed with a, with a ruling. Other people agreed, and the people on both sides had different views. But in the end of it, when when the whole thing was settled, we said, okay, get over it, you know, get past it, let's deal with it as it is, and we'll find ways around it, or we'll, we'll find ways to live with it. And, and it got, you know, that's the way it was from then on. The polarization... Now, we're, we're at- Oh, I'm sorry, continue. I thought you were done. I thought you were pausing. Well, I was just going to say the polarization in our country has created a whole different culture where those kind, that kind of let's deal with it is gone. It, it's like if you if you say something I don't like, I hate your guts, and I'm going to take you down. I'm going to just beat you up. I do, I'm going to do all this stuff against you. And it's like, wow, dude, chill. <laughs> it's like, take it easy. Um, but we, we kind of need to get past the polarization because that's really what's killing us. And that's one reason we have such a violent reaction against anything that comes out right now, the Supreme Court. People are either either praising it, loving it, or or they're hating it and just hating their guts and they get violent. You know, people people wanted to kill a, a justice show up at the guy's house. I mean, come on. This is not the that's way this is not the way go. America runs. Yeah, that's where I was gonna go. We defend free speech all the time, but we defend it within the bounds of the law. Yes. And the law says, literally the law says you cannot protest and use your free speech or your free assembly outside the homes or residence of judges or attorneys or witnesses or jurors yep. who are who are party to a case to try to intimidate them into doing something that you want them to do. That's not free speech. That is not standing and delivering. That is breaking the law. Yes. And so we encourage people to speak out. We encourage people to protest. If that's what they want to do, do it legally. Do it within the bounds of the law. Do not harm anyone. That's what free speech is all about. That's what standing and delivering is all about. The stuff where yeah. they're trying to intimidate, threaten, and harass, and maybe even commit violent acts against, uh, that has no place in, in, in right. Peace. That's not defended by the Constitution the way the, the right. speech is. Right. And here's the way, Pete, here's the way all of our listeners right now can participate in free speech. You can come and join citizensforfreespeech.org. How about that? We're here for you. We are a nonprofit organization. We we exist just day to day by the by our members that, that support us. We don't charge anything to join. We don't charge anything for our training. The members that we have that have ability to support us do. So we're not any kind of a profit making organization here. We're defending free speech because it needs to be defended. This is this is a societal issue that we must cope with and deal with and and defend free speech. If it ever gets completely squashed in America, we're our, our constitution, our society, everything is gone. It'll be absolutely gone. It'll be total chaos. You, you, you don't want to turn into an Argentina or you know a, a Ukraine at this point. We don't want to go there. We must keep free speech alive. So you can uh, go to citizensforfreespeech.org and sign up there, or you can simply text the letters if you're on a mobile platform right now the letters cffs that's for citizens for free speech to 313131 you'll get an immediate link back uh, in your text you click it and you can sign up right there on the spot on your phone or tablet the point is do it you must stand and deliver we need every american right now and, and i have to say we've crossed the the, the 55,000 member mark nationwide my hope is we're going to be at 100,000 by the end of the year but I'll tell you what, this is just my private my private thought. I wonder sometimes, laying it while I'm trying to go to sleep at night, I wonder sometimes, why don't we have 5 million members at this point? 
You know, people say, well, it's more important to, you know, belong to these big gun rights organizations or something. I'll tell you what, folks, America needs to wake up to the fact free speech is where it's at. If you don't want to meet the the Second Amendment, if you don't want to meet the other issues of total anarchy in our country, free speech is where the battle is going to be won or lost, period. We need to have that level of members eventually, and citizens for free speech can be, in the end, the largest voice, national voice, in defense of free speech, not just to speak about it, but to getting our members into positions on where they can actually change policies where they live, right where they live in their own cities or counties, et cetera, in their own states. This is where the rubber meets the road for us, and this is the only way America is going to be rebuilt from the ground up. We need people that are out there trained to do things in their local communities. We have all those tools that are available, and they're, they're available to you for free. If you don't come and take advantage of them, I can't help you, but you should. And we want you to. We want you to stand and deliver with us and stand tall. Don't ever think that one person cannot make a difference in this fight for freedom in America. Yes, you can. And we see it all over the place. People are rising up all across our country doing things right now that they, was unthinkable even five years ago. So we are doing constructive things. Free speech is at the seat of it. Join us and get into the fight. Get into the fight and make a difference in your own community. So, Bob, what do you think? And with that, yeah, with no, we're 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 about three minutes past our time, yeah. Pat. I was going to let you wrap that up. That's good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, to everybody for uh, for watching. Make sure you share this with other interested people and make it go viral. Seriously, make make CFFS itself go viral. That's how we will grow from fifty five thousand to seventy five thousand to one hundred thousand to eventually that five million that Pat is talking about, so that we can really wield some power in changing at our local levels, at our state levels, and at our national levels the uh, the the policies that are attacking the first. First Amendment and putting our free uh, constitutional republic in jeopardy. So with that, thank you to everybody. Uh, I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood. For Citizens for Free Speech, you're in the right place. Now you can go back living your life just as you were before. But don't forget to pass this podcast around. Email it. Send out links. Get people to listen to it, whatever. Call a friend. Say, hey, if you heard this one yet, you ought to go hear it. We'll see you next time. 